This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. And that sound means it is another episode of the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by yours truly, Matty Ice. And as always, we are brought to you by Matty Ice Media. First of all, I hope everybody is having a fabulous, fabulous Wednesday. I know I am. It's hot as hell down here in Virginia. I'm sure if you're listening to this in Florida, you think I'm totally full of crap because it's even hotter there, I'm assuming. Either way, the sun is shining. I'm alive. It's a beautiful day. This episode, I wanted to bring some things to the forefront that were a little bit different than what I talked about last time. I kind of got a little nostalgic last time. On Monday, I talked about visiting my hometown. I talked about the nostalgia. I talked about change. And I honestly, I don't know, it was cathartic for me. It was really cool to go back. It was really cool to talk about it. And even listening back, which I don't do too, too often, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And I honestly thought it was some of my best work on this show in particular. But there's been a couple of things that have been happening in the sports world that I thought were worthy of your attention. And I know that I have branched off in doing sports on Drippin' Sports, which is my other podcast, which you can find everywhere. Uh, but sometimes there are stories that kind of go down the same path, whether they're in the business world, the sports world, or what have you. Uh, they generally are you know, of the same cloth, right? Race issues, uh, sex issues, and you know, things like that. There's a lot of times where we can't really separate those two we have to talk about them because you can't just always say stick to sports or separate one from the other. The people that participate in sports, the people that root in sports are rooted in humanity. They're humans. And so I wanted to talk about a couple of them, but I wanted to talk about them because I think that they highlight two differences in when we talk about things of this nature. I think there are obvious issues of racism, systemic or overt, right? uh, That exist and they can exist everywhere. And I think we can easily spot those. However, there are instances where two people are involved, where one is white, one is black, or one is white and one is a minority, in which there is a racial component to it, but I don't necessarily feel as if it's just all all racism or all white supremacy, that there is some nuance to it. And I took a little bit of time before talking about this. This is the Rachel Nichols Maria Taylor story that came out from ESPN last July of 2020. Now, it came back into the news stream because there was... Uh, videos that surfaced, or excuse me, I should say recordings that surfaced, where Rachel Nichols, who has been at ESPN for a very long time, she is probably one of, if not the prominent female face and voice at the network. And she has been covering the NBA for a very, very long time there. And she has put herself at the top of the pedestal as it relates to NBA coverage. And last year, during the pandemic, and also during the heightened awareness that we had to racial tensions in this country vis-a-vis the George Floyd death and others that happened subsequently after that, uh, we were a little bit different. We were thinking a little bit different. And honestly, there were some of us, and I hope to include myself in this category, who were taking a step back from thinking or from saying, and we were doing some thinking. We were researching, we were talking, we were trying to reach true empathy. Now, during the pandemic, uh, there was a lot of shifting where a lot of these big companies ESPN, one of them, were very, very out front in saying Black Lives Matter and we support Black Lives. Now, one of the things that you don't see is what happens behind the scenes. It's very, very easy for these companies to come out and tell you that they support Black Lives. They support minorities. Of course, they're going to come out and tell you that. Very rarely are you going to get a company that's like Chick-fil-A. Well, I should say 
company owners that are like Chick-fil-A who say that they don't support gay marriage, right? And you can make a decision based off of that no matter what you think. I personally didn't stop shopping at Chick-fil-A because I have not witnessed that kind of behavior gone all the way down the food chain to where I see them not serving gay people or not employing gay people or something like that. But that's another discussion. So Rachel Nichols was on a broadcast or excuse me, she was not on a broadcast, but she was in between broadcasts. And apparently the camera was still on or the mic was still hot. And she had some things to say because she had been told that she was going to be replaced as the host of the uh, NBA countdown show that happens before the NBA finals or, you know, during NBA broadcasts, I should say. And she was rightfully upset about this because she had been told that she was going to get the gig as well. Uh, they told Maria Taylor, who was a very accomplished, very poised, and just very, very excellent journalist and commentator at ESPN. She has been doing college game day for a few years now. She has proven her chops in the NBA. She can pretty much do it all, and she has the professional look and just the absolute charisma, and she's just very good at her job. And she has earned all the accolades that she has received. And one of the things that she earned was the head seat at the table as it related to NBA coverage. She was promised that job as well. Here's the issue. Rachel Nichols kind of was upset about it because listen, I think it's a natural human reaction for anybody to have something taken away from them that they feel that they have deservedly earned by merit and been given to somebody else. However, what generally tends to happen when there are minorities involved, specifically black women in this case, is that people that look like Rachel Nichols, while they might not feel the way that a lot of white supremacist Trump supporting white men feel, right, toward minorities, they automatically kind of go to this place where it's assumed that this person's race has more to do with them being placed in a position above them than it does merit. And this is why I wanted to highlight this, because I think it's very, very nuanced. I think there are many components to this that actually have nothing to do with either Rachel Nichols or Maria Taylor. I think it's a shame that this situation has seemingly pitted them against each other. And what does that really come down to? That really comes down to their company. Their company has put them at a disadvantage, has done them a disservice by not allowing them the freedom to both eat, right? To promise Maria Taylor that job and give it to her because they are making a smart decision. So this is the way I heard it put. And I honestly think it's very, very good. So there's two things that we are assuming if we are looking at this at face value. We are assuming that ESPN is putting Maria Taylor in this position because she has earned it. If you really think about it, Maria Taylor is being given this position in some regard because ESPN is panicking behind the scenes because of all of the backlash that is being had vis-a-vis -vis the George Floyd and other things. Now, that doesn't mean that she doesn't deserve it. It's not what I'm saying, that she got it because she was black, right? I, I think that she has deservedly so been given this position. But what I'm saying is the assumption is being made that ESPN behind the scenes, who are, by the way, predominantly white men making these decisions, are thinking about it logically about this, that they have a black woman who is excellent at her job, and she is being put in front of a predominantly black product, right? And that's the NBA, who have very, very high black viewership. And you would think to yourself from a business perspective, this is very smart right? This is very, very smart because we want to have somebody there who represents what the product is, which is a major, like, this is the one time where we get to see this as actually as the majority, where it's not white people in the majority all the time. And this is what equal representation looks like. You can't just say that they have equal representation, but not in all of these other things that we deem inappropriate for that. You either give it or you don't, right? And this is the problem because Rachel Nichols feels and has put words to this that she feels that Maria Taylor got this unjustly because of what she looks like. 
But I don't think that that's actually who Rachel Nichols is, and I don't actually think that that's what she truly thinks. I think what she is calling out is ESPN's lack of diversity when it comes to behind the scenes things. Because if you look on camera at ESPN, you'd think to yourself, this is a very, very diverse company, right? Because you see a lot of different looking faces, a lot of representation. If you were to just take the like senior picture or the, uh, you know, the senior class picture of everybody that's on ESPN, the people you actually see, the voices you actually hear, you'd think this is a really, really diverse company. But what I've come to understand from people who have worked at the company and also reports that have come out since this story broke again, because it broke last year in a different way from Deadspin. This year, it actually broke in a meaningful way where we got much more detail on it. So what do we see behind the scenes? Predominantly white and a lot of black voices being, I don't want to say silenced, but certainly not given the platform to succeed, right? And what I've really come to understand is that ESPN likes black faces on their product, but as soon as those faces become voices, it becomes a problem. And this is really, really unfortunate because again, this is also women who, by the way, not just white versus black in this case, but women in general have to fight for a seat at the table harder than men do. It's a known fact. And Rachel Nichols has gone through that, no doubt, through all of her hard work, and she has busted her ass to get to where she is. She has gotten to where she is, I would say, at a disadvantage than most other people, because what I've come to realize too is that men can kind of walk in with any type of resume, and it's sort of assumed that they can do everything. And I think white people, especially white men in the profession of sports journalism or you know sports media, generally get this benefit of the doubt that they can pretty much do everything. It got me to thinking about starting a sports show of my own, and I realized that if I were to make it in some capacity, I would hope that it's because of my words and not what I look like, which is why I've considered even taking my picture off of the, you know, the podcast artwork, because I don't want it to be something that is an advantage for me that I don't necessarily ask for, right, that I won't ask for, but that somebody automatically assumes, well, this guy's white, he can pretty much do what he wants. But what I also see is that when they are trying to check the box as far as diverse faces on the ESPN product, it's former players. When you're black, they ask you, where did you play? When you're white, they ask you all these different things. Where did you go to school? What did you study? Where did you work before? And pretty much everything is on the table. But now when you're black, it's where did you play? Right? You could go to MIT. You could have all the degrees you want from the most prestigious schools in the world, in the universe, and they really are looking for former players. And is that really diverse? Like, aren't we supposed to be giving the platform and the voices to everybody that has merit, everybody whose voice has meaning? And that's not really what they're doing. And that's why I thought this was an interesting story to bring up as it relates to the other story. Over the weekend, the Euro 2020, even though it's calendar year 2021, happened, and it happened at Wembley Stadium in London. Uh, England was one of the two teams in this tournament. Now, uh, England has a very, very long history of losing in big time soccer matches. They have not won anything of significance since 1966, which is when they last won the World Cup. Uh, most of us listening to this show probably weren't born in 1966 or even before, so we probably don't even remember this. But the country does, and every big-time tournament that comes by, every European tournament and every World Cup that comes by, and England doesn't bring the championship home, it becomes longer and longer and more and more frustrating. And so England makes the Euro final and they have a chance to really bring something home for their country for the first time in 55 years. It ends in about the most excruciating way that you could possibly think. The only other way that I think that could have ended worse is an own goal near the end of the game, but they lose in penalty kicks. So why do you think that that is related to anything related to the Rachel Nichols stuff? Well, here's the thing. 
England in and of itself has had a major race issue for a very, very long time. Uh, this English soccer team or football club has represented that because they have done what Colin Kaepernick did in 2016 and they have taken a stand by showing their physical disapproval of the way that black people are treated in this in their country not in this country but in England themselves their team is a mixture of white players they're a mixture of black players and honestly they're a mixture of all different types of ethnicities and that's the way that it should be that's the way the world is this is the reality of the world all of these men are extremely superior soccer players. They are excellent at what they do. doesn't matter what they look like. They're all good. So when you have five penalty kicks to be given, you put, try to put out your five best players at the time of who's on the field. Because in soccer, if you make substitutions prior to, those people are not eligible for the penalty kick round when it comes to fruition. So the coach, Gareth Southgate, who has been somebody that has 100% backed the message and backed the execution of the you know, communication of the message for his club. He has been behind his guys and he has said outright that he supports them 100%, which this is what a manager is supposed to be. This is what a good leader looks like. You support your people, even if they're not a cause that you necessarily directly benefit from. You should still be down with this cause. You should still be supporting this cause. And this is why I talk so vehemently on the show about these, you know, causes or these issues that really I don't directly benefit from but the world directly benefits from it. The more people that think like me or are able to at least take their mind to another place to consider another perspective, we're gonna be better here. So Gareth Southgate is one of those people. So he basically is out there. His players have received so much uh, angst, so much ire, and quite honestly, they have been treated very, very ugly in the lead up to this tournament and even during this tournament. Uh, the English fans, unfortunately, there's a great many of them that showed their colors by booing the Italian national anthem. Look, I'm all about gamesmanship. I'm all about fans, you know, being passionate and so forth. But you do that in a certain area. Like when you go to an international competition, booing the other country's national anthem, we're not talking like Italy is part of the Axis powers in World War II, or this is Nazi Germany or something like that. Even still, there should be a level of respect for the other country's anthem because it means something to them. And the English fans booing the Italian national anthem just because they were playing them in a soccer match is poor by any stretch in my opinion. So what happens at the end of the game? Well, Gareth Southgate sets up his lineup to where he has his five players that are on the pitch. The first two players that make kicks are white. The last three players that all miss their kicks are black. And what has come since then? Well, England loses. Italy wins and all of a sudden the ugliest sides of England are now coming out and I've seen videos on Twitter I've seen a lot of vitriol I've seen a lot of really really nasty ugly words beyond ugly uh, banana emojis ape emojis monkey emojis the n-word just horrible horrible things talked about this team in di the direction of not only the black players on this team but also the white players who support them on this team and this is one of the types of cases that is a little bit different than the issue with Maria Taylor and Rachel Nichols, where overtly we're trying to have a gotcha moment of see you're racist. But really what it comes down to is a company culture that is not benefiting anybody in that particular instance. It makes nobody look good there, right? And this is a little bit of a nuanced situation. However, the way that the English fans treated those players is not a nuanced situation. It is a direct violation of humanity and it is a direct violation of any semblance of human rights and human dignity. 
Nobody, no matter whether you play soccer, no matter, no matter whether you are a Jane or John Doe walking the street deserves to be treated that way. And when you look at it, you have to think to yourself, where is the root of this problem? Because when I look at what happens in the United States as it relates to race relations, you can see some of the, the, the kindling, some of the starting. And one of the things that we don't see in our everyday lives necessarily are people that are overtly out there about it. Because what we tend to do is be around people who support our worldview in many ways. Like anybody who I know who is overtly racist, I'm not going to spend any time with them. This is anti-racist behavior, right? Don't even spend any time with them. You should call them out if you can, but if you see something, you you don't have to be a part of it. And I choose not to be a part of it. I choose to surround myself with people that maybe don't share all of the same ideals that I do, but they're at least willing to understand the different perspectives, right? Because some people I know don't necessarily feel that there is as much of a race issue as you'd be you you are led to believe that there is. However, I feel that there is one. And I feel that it's almost incumbent on me to believe that there is a bigger problem than we are being led to believe, mainly so that we can be open-minded to when we see these incidences of overt racism. And for me, when I hear about what happened to the English club, when I hear about how the fans were, when I hear about how black Englishmen and women are treated over there, it just disgusts me beyond belief. And what's unfortunate is that something that is so beautiful the game of soccer is a beautiful thing it is a truly international sport where no matter what is happening in the world these countries come together and there's peace for the most part it happens in the olympics too we see north korea and south korea their leaders come together at the winter olympics and you know what there's something to be said about that it's a moment in time a moment in peace that we rarely rarely get and so when you go to these international competitions you're supposed to see that but what you generally don't hear about is the ire and the hate that comes toward the players in these countries because soccer means so much that fandom is so toxic in a way that it leads to this. So the beautiful game of soccer had a beautiful ending. It was a beautiful tournament. It was so entertaining to watch. And it was so great because for the last 16 months, we haven't had a lot of that. We haven't had a lot to really look forward to to sink our teeth into. And one of the great things about where we are headed in this world, I hope, is that we're headed to more and more of that. Now, the United States is a little bit further along than some countries are as it relates to the COVID-19 pandemic. It seems like we're going back a little bit. I hope one day that we can actually get there. But here's the thing, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, we always have to remember that these issues exist. We don't necessarily have to believe that they exist the way that one news outlet tells us or the way that they don't exist the way another news outlet will tell us. But I think it's incumbent upon us to look at these situations and try to figure out what they are below what the surface level is. If you just saw the quotes from Rachel Nichols, which really weren't that bad, right? They really didn't say anything about how Maria Taylor isn't worthy because she's black. But what Rachel Nichols was calling out was ESPN's spotty history and their spotty execution on diversity, on inclusion, on belonging, right? And we need to look beyond that because it can be multiple things. Rachel Nichols can have said insensitive things, but she can also not be an overt racist, right? She can want to get her job and keep her job, but she also can understand that if she is losing her job because somebody else has jumped her because they've earned it, that's part of the gig. 
right? You you want to hold on to what you want to hold on to. Like you get a promotion, you want to keep it. Of course you do. It's like the Liam Neeson thing. It's what I think of when he was asked, I think this was in like January of 2018 about pay disparities in Hollywood. And he said, 100% I support them fixing this issue. But as soon as they said, well, would you take a pay cut to do that? He did a complete heel turn 180. Oh no, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't take it from me, figure it out somewhere else. It's basically what Rachel Nichols did. And honestly, I think there's a lot of people who can relate to that. I think there's a lot of people who would react like that. So here are these two situations. We can learn from both. And I think we need to obviously learn to just don't be that way if you're an English fan or whoever. Don't treat people that way. It's obvious. And for the people that are listening that maybe it's not that obvious, that maybe you feel the need to call somebody a racial slur, well, I don't really have the answers for you because I've come to a place in my life where I know that I just don't do that. And I'm never going to do that. And if I make somebody feel uncomfortable because there's something that I have said that is a microaggression that I don't even realize is one, I want to have those uncomfortable conversations because I don't want to do that. I want to treat everybody the same way. Everybody is worthy of a spot at my table. However, from the other one, we need to look at it in a nuanced way. Are there times in your life where somebody has gotten something that you feel you deserve? How did you react? How did you treat them? right? Did you make a comment behind closed doors that maybe shouldn't have seen the light of day that nobody actually heard, which is a part of the Rachel Nichols thing that nobody's really talking about. That got out, like the privacy matter of that got out, which is interesting because when Aaron Andrews was at ESPN, there was a huge privacy issue with somebody basically videotaping her without her consent and sending out naked photos of her. Is that that much different than Rachel Nichols thinking that she is not on a hot mic and having somebody at ESPN tape it and give it to Maria Taylor to say, hey, listen to what she said about you. And the thing is, there's no context there. Maria Taylor can be upset at Rachel Nichols for insinuating that she got something because she was just black. But this is where the dialogue needs to happen. We, we really need this. And I think ESPN, as much as they want to think that they are a diverse company, I truly do not believe that they are equipped to handle this. They're just not. It's kind of like the NFL. The NFL is not equipped to legislate justice they are just equipped to legislate football rules and football justice but not legal justice espn is not fit to do diversity they haven't shown that in any way outside of what you see on your television but a company is more than what you see on screen it's everybody that works there and there's thousands of people that support the espn product and multiple days multiple you know weeks of the year big small it doesn't matter and i think all of those people need to feel included all of those people need to feel like part of the team. So uh, put your best foot forward going for the rest of the week. Uh, Friday, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to get back into the Marvel talk. I'm going to play something that Mike and I recorded a few weeks ago after you know I was on vacation. It just didn't quite get to it. But I'm going to play the first analysis that we did of Loki season, uh, I mean, Loki episode one. And who knows, I might have him back. Or I might just do a little bit of analysis of the show before Mike can actually return. So I appreciate everybody's time. Before you leave, please remember to subscribe. Please remember to rate the show. Also, check out MattyIceMedia.com for all the other podcasts that we have. And you can find all of those wherever you find your podcast. I appreciate everybody's time. Have a great rest of your day. Soulfully Casual is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by Matty Ice Media.